This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Yeah, ooh, a mess boy. Ooh, <laughs> catch me on a waz. Um, but, uh... <laughs> oh, <gosh>. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, the, uh, the agency didn't say you'd be here till five, think, but, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I think you just found your cold opening. There right? it is. Cold yeah. opening, folks. <laughs> uh, let, let's just change the name of the podcast to Finger Throwing. <laughs> but no. Oh, no. Yeah. no. He need to add that in with the crack truck or whatever <laughs> yeah. it was. The last, the last maybe, thing. I'm like, oh, maybe man. that's crack what it mobile. says. On the, uh. <laughs> so crazy. I can't believe that made it through the Comics Code Authority. Oh, yeah. Born born to eat finger throats. <laughs> you don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. You like the Drake? I love the Drake. What about the Drake? Oh, screw the Drake. I love the Drake. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third boy to wear the mantle of Robin, Tim Drake, through the 90s and 2000 Robin series, Red Robin, Young Justice, and Teen Titans and from time to time taking a look at the modern era of Tim Drake in the pages of DC Comics, while also talking about other Robin and Batman happenings in the world. So sit back and relax and find out why everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. <laughs> Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. This podcast is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. And we're also partnered with Batman on Films Podcast Network at BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. Two great networks to check out Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake, and many other shows. You can get a hold of us through all the social media outlets. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Everyone Loves the Drake. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. We're also on Instagram, and you can email the show at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. And we are also over on YouTube. This is episode 83. Welcome to this spooktacular edition of the show. <laughs> As you can hear, my spooky guest, Ryan. How are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm good. <laughs> I, I would like to say that we planned this, and this is not planned at all. Um, we're, we're always saying, oh, peek behind the curtain. Other than the Norm Brayfogle episode, which was 80, I think, might have been. It's been a while since Terrence and Ryan and I have like sat down to actually record a real <laughs> episode, 
and we're not doing that. We're just putting a nice little button on the beginning of a previously recorded episode. Um, our last the last time the three of us were together to talk about comics was August 25th. <laughs> we recorded for like, what, almost four hours? Yeah, almost four hours that day. And uh, we're like, well, I think we got enough for a few shows. And then uh, with the unfortunate Norm Brayfogle passing, so that kind of gave us a little episode. I threw in a the Teen Titans 100-page uh, giant little thing in there. But the four-hour extravaganza that we had, we had enough for about three, three-ish shows. So this is the tail end of our final recording. So we're going to have to look and go. It's been a nice little kind of break we've all been kind of busy so when we get these little chunks we just tend to go let's just knock a bunch of stuff out and you know we'll talk to each other again in a year so yeah uh, uh since i was gonna actually save this for the beginning of uh november and i realized that our release date we have available is on halloween so happy halloween to those of you that are listening and i sent out a quick message to terrence and ryan said hey i've got the next episode ready to go but there's no intro i can record one by myself but if anybody wants to hop on and ryan was able to do so so with it being halloween i thought we would just have a little halloweeny ish that sounds really weird to say. A Halloween discussion of, you know, all things Batman around Halloween and maybe some Batman stories that we've wanted to read or some of our favorites. And kind of one of the first questions I want to ask, Ryan, did you ever dress up as a – I know this is probably a dumb question. I know the answer, too. But did you ever dress up as Batman or a Batman character for Halloween? <laughs> yes, I did. What? Uh, yeah. I'm trying to remember. I believe – the Halloween of 1992, I ended up dressing. I tr- I almost dressed up as Batman, and my parents got me uh, a Michael Keaton Batman Batman Returns costume. <laughs> and in retrospect, it was probably pretty cool looking. But what my little kid self didn't like is the the chest plate was just this big plastic chest plate, and it looked like the one from the movie, but it was like really bulky. And I remember being like, oh, I don't like it. It's too uncomfortable. I don't know. <laughs> and and then so what happened was they returned it and they got me a pe- the penguin outfit instead. <laughs> and so I ended up being uh, Danny DeVito penguin and my sister was Catwoman. Huh. Uh, and we got like the official, you know, costumes from, from that. So we did that. And um, there was another year where I had the... Uh, the homemade Batman costume, like all of it was like made and like my aunt uh, like sewed me a cape and made a cape and everything. Uh, there was another year where I, where I was like an, another, you know, and that was like the, the gray, gray and blue Batman. Oh yeah. And then there was another year where I was, you know, the movie Batman with the black costume. And the last time where, uh, where I dressed up as Batman was, uh, 2000, it had to be around like, like 2000 it probably was 2005 because it was batman begins and we had a big batman and it was my um senior year in high school and we had a big batman themed uh halloween party and um so i was batman my uh, now wife was catwoman we had a penguin a two-face so uh we had a scarecrow we had a poison ivy we had a a mr freeze so wow yeah so there's some there's some pictures floating around where I'm looking at my Batman best, I shave my my little goatee off, and you know, <laughs> try to look very Batman. And I did, well, I did, up, I did up really well. I got like one of the deluxe Batman Begins costumes, and I got like the deluxe oh, yeah. cowl, and I got, um, I got some of the more expensive like gauntlet cl- gloves, and I, I even got, uh, and I got one of the premium belts, and I got some of the 
you know, the hero boots. So I got like a bunch yeah. of the more upgradey type stuff for it to look better in in it. And uh, I thought it was pretty cool. And I ended up uh, going to one of my friend's houses and getting up on his roof. And uh, they took some in the Batman outfit, yes. And they of course, took, yeah. And they took some, you know, they were taking some pictures of me and trying. I was trying to do like the whole like Batman pose on a roof, rooftop thing. So uh, and you're praying just for that just right amount of gust of wind to blow your cape. Yeah. So you don't yeah. stand there look totally awkward. Yeah. <laughs> it's been I, I don't know if I haven't seen those pictures in years, but I remember it being pretty cool just to actually have a Batman costume that was, you know. The best version of something I could get. I'm, you know, cosplay now is like right. ridiculous, and Jeez, yeah. it probably would be fun to try to, you know, invest in some nice, you know, cosplay stuff. But, uh, but yeah, so I have dressed up as Batman and and his assorted rogues gallery, uh, <laughs> my fair share. And I like how your first one was like, "This doesn't feel right." I shall be the penguin. Like, yeah, you go from yeah. one extreme to the other. Yeah. Now this will show you the age did uh, age difference. Like you said, this was ninety two was like your penguin costume. Yeah, ninety two. I'm graduating high school, which I think we had a little Halloween type party. But I think for us, I, it's interesting how things kind of change. Like that wasn't cool to do. It's like if we had a Halloween party, like maybe you got away with wearing a mask of some type, but seeing uh, one of my friends now, his daughter going to a Halloween party in high school, they're completely dressing up. And I was like, man, I would have loved to have done that in high school, but that wasn't the end thing to do back then. Uh But the funny thing is like my first Batman costume, like 1970-something, um, it was a lot of hand-holding. Did any of your Batman costumes or anything have to say the word Batman on the back of the cape? No. Or we, I was, we were out of that era of costumes, for sure. Like that, It wasn't like, this is Batman. No, it was literally like, <laughs> it was a Batman costume or a, or a penguin costume or a Catwoman. Like, that, was, that was away from the era of having the name plastered on the masks or whatever. Oh, yeah, like my first Batman mask right atop the forehead said Batman. Yeah. I remember looking at my mom going, why does it have to say Batman? And my mom's like, so everybody knows who you are. I'm like, they know who Batman is. So I made her <laughs> get a, like a magic marker and color yeah. it out. Like I told yeah. her I would not wear it. And the cape, um, the cape was like a yellow cape that had uh, the Batman logo on the back of it. I'm like, Batman uh, doesn't have a yellow cape. Robin does. Robin has and, a yellow cape, yeah. And Robin's cape was green. I'm like, Robin doesn't have a yellow cape. <laughs> so... <laughs> She got like a, a dark, I don't know where she got a, a, a dark sheet. I remember seeing a lot of bedspreads, but I guess there's probably black bedspreads. But she, I remember had get this big sheet, cut it out. And there's a picture of me. I, I don't even know where it is. It's probably in her photo album. But to me, this pumpkin seemed like 90 feet. But as probably as a five-year-old, it was probably about as big as a five to four-year-old, a small toddler. And I'm standing next to this pumpkin that just almost comes to my neck and I'm leaning on this pumpkin. Like I'm yeah, what I thought was like, I'm beating up the scarecrow or something like that. I don't even know if I know who the scarecrow was, but I remember my mom going, pretend it's a Batman bad guy. I'm like, they're villains, mom. They're not bad guys, <laughs> but you know, everything, it didn't seem till about, like you said, 89, where I remember looking at costumes you know, after I was out of high school, I'm like, look at these costumes. They don't say Batman on them at all. How yeah. are they supposed to know who they are? Well, I think it was is like licensing licensed yeah. items got a little bit more sophisticated around that time because, like I said, the the costumes that that I remember getting the, the official stuff in '92 was it was pretty darn close to like, yeah. you know, you knew it was it, it wasn't just the Penguin or Batman. It was 
the Penguin and Batman from and Catwoman from Batman Returns, like specifically. So they were really trying to tie it in. I uh, my girlfriend from high school when she went to college is one of the last things I did with her. Ironically, um, she had a like a Halloween uh, sorority type mixer and called me up and said, "Hey, we're having a, a costume party. You know, do you want to want to come up? Can you get a costume pretty quick?" She's like, "I know you're gonna try to find something Batman." I'm like, "Of course I am." So the only piece of the costume I still have is the Val Kilmer sonar sonar cowl. And nice. it's it's tinted in the the gray color like it was in the movie, yeah. and it's done very very well. I haven't looked at the actually. I'm kind of looking at it right now. I want to pick it off the foam mannequin head, which is another little story. Why why my wife now? Uh, we were going through like Hobby Lobby, and I saw this foam head, and I was like, oh great, I want to pick this head up. She's like, whoa. What are you getting this foam head for? I was like, for my Batman cowl I have. I'm like, we've only been married a year, and she's yeah. like, wait, did you say cowl? I'm like mask c-o-w-l and she's like oh my gosh did, am i marrying a nerd i was like well let me show you the nerd have that, you seen the robin room yet yeah <laughs> i keep it locked that's right yeah uh 50 shades of gray has nothing on the let me show you the special room <laughs> so uh that, you're right it's like right around that time uh i think 89 just kind of opened the floodgates 50 shades of drake <laughs> 50, 50 shades of drake yeah that may be the uh title of this episode but uh that was like right around the time that everything started becoming really you know legitimate like you said you don't have to put the stamps on something and it was really cool to see around that time the batman animated series costumes like you could yeah. find a a riddler yep, i was, costume the, I was the animated series batman one year yeah. too uh yeah you bring that up i i think i still have the 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 cowl uh, cape combo and the little and the belt that came with it at least yeah i was him too that was probably the next, that was probably 93. 93, yeah. Like, because that would have been right after yep. um, Returns. Yep. But I mean, just what kind of, what of a cool time to. Oh, know, it was. Back, for sure. back in the 70s and 80s when I was growing up, it's like the only Batman that they would mold anything after would be Denny O'Neill, not Denny, Neil Adams type of work. But again, it's more, you know, kid, cartoonized, but it'd be more, yeah. even still back then, it would be. The Adam West version of a mask, mask, very pointy ears, you know, with the word yeah. Batman written across it and the plastic, not cloth yeah. cape. It's funny because, like, you know, compared to your childhood, I mean, there was like an embarrassment of riches, really, when there's like a Batman movie every <laughs> yeah. you know, two or three years. It, it felt like forever as a kid. But when it was like the year a movie came out, you know, and I mean, second grade and Batman Forever is out, it's like, oh, man, we get all the new toys and all the new Batman costumes and stuff like that. So. And the, like you said, like Batman Returns and the animated series, it was really cool to just to get all bunch all of this new, you know, merchandise and stuff. And Halloween was always a really fun time to partake in that. Now, something we were talking about uh, off mic here uh, was the DC uh, 100 page uh, Giants from Walmart. And like I mentioned before, I've done the Titans stories uh, for this show, but I did pick up the Swamp Thing Halloween Horror. Um, spectacular uh, that does have a Batman story in it. We were talking that it it doesn't list it in the book. I guess I should probably flip to the front page. Um, no, it just says Batman and Robin in the Night of the Reaper, but it doesn't uh, list it as a like as a, what, what issue it is. What issue? So it's issue two thirty seven. Yep. And uh, I remember reading this story as a kid. I wish I had my uncle's comics because I remember having the. Um, 
actual physical copy mm, man. Uh, of it. That's pretty expensive now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Uncle Scott, where are those books? Oh, that's right. They're on that's my only grip. a few issues away from the uh, classic The Demon Lives Again. Yeah, yeah. 244 issue. But this is just such a cool one. We're not going to discuss it here. Um, but if you do want to have a copy that's, you know, only cost you five bucks, you can go to Walmart and pick up the uh, 100 page uh, giant that's Halloween themed. I think they're going to do a Christmas themed one. But I had had to send a, a message to Andy DeGenova with him being a, I would say, not a closet Blue Devil fan. He says all the time <laughs> that he's a Blue Devil fan. There's he a blue, wears it on his sleeve. <laughs> yeah, wears it on his sleeve. There is a Blue Devil story in here. So I was like, you might want to pick it up. I know he's all things Halloween, but the Blue Devil story, it, it's a reprinted story from around 2000, I think. It's probably one of the last Blue Devil stories they ever did. It's the Enchantress and, Enchantress and Blue Devil in the Pumpkin Sinister is what that particular story is called. But uh, with that topic, other than like the long Halloween, uh, what are some of your, I guess, favorite Batman stories or just kind of spookier stories that mm. uh, you kind of think about uh, around this time? Or this is just an excuse to say, uh, what's some of your favorite Batman stories? Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's obviously the long Halloween. Yeah. There's there. I think isn't there another whole special called Haunted Night? Yes. Yep. Yeah. There's that, and there's also I believe there's a. Legends of the Dark Knight special that that is Halloween focused if I'm correct. Yeah. That sounds very familiar. Yeah. And the other thing is um like you were saying there is uh Batman 237 is in the uh Halloween Walmart uh 100-page giant, but it's also on DC Universe if you get the DC Universe app. Yeah. So I'm going to check that out there. And there's another comic that I want to check out that's Halloween. It seems to be Halloween related. It's uh, The Brave and the Bold, number 93. And you know how uh, Brave and the Bold traditionally is Batman paired up with some with somebody else, some other DC character. Right. But for Brave and the Bold 93, it's uh, actually it's Batman paired with uh, the House of Mystery, which oh, is kind cool. of a cool combination. And um <laughs> And it's and it is also written by Dennis O'Neill and penciled by Neil Adams. So uh, I haven't read it, but I but I found it. It's also on the DC Universe app, so I'm definitely going to check that. It out. It seems like a good Halloween related, spooky kind of story. That app is getting, I would say, I think it's always been very. It has been pretty well done. Other than this last week, I think they've had some. Um, Apple yeah. Apple TV crashes, but just being able to get on your phone or computer or whatever and start seeing we Terrence and I talked about them curating, you know, books. It seems like right around Halloween they put a whole bunch of these themed books and not just, you know, Batman but other different characters. A lot of Justice League dark stories have started to appear on the app for Halloween. So I think it's gonna be kinda cool if they can kinda stay with the app and really make it fresh and current and relevant to to what's yeah. been going on. So since you brought up the uh, DC Universe app, uh, you so very kindly asked me to join Batman on film to talk about the yes. Titans' uh, first uh, pilot episode, and we haven't talked about it on this show. So just a little bit uh, of discussion of what your thoughts of Titans are, and then maybe the most recent episode of just kind of um, how things are are going with the show and what you're thinking of uh, yeah. Titans as a whole. Yeah, well, I mean, if the listeners haven't. Check this out. Yes. It's uh, BOF. It's episode one twenty eight of uh, BOF podcast. Uh, and yeah, it's me and Rob and Pete Vera and Eric Holtzman. We're just talking about uh, the main topic is is the Titans premiere. We talk about the first episode, 
Um, and Pete and Eric got to go, those scoundrels, they got to go to New York <laughs> Comic Con and go to the premiere of Jerks. Titans and <laughs> see it. And, you know, they got to watch it with, dang, Marv Wolfman and Jim Lee and all those people. Um, A bunch of people. But, we don't even know who they are. Yeah, whoever. Those They're just name dropping. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I was going to watch it regardless. Yeah. When, and it, they announced it. I was like, yeah, okay, that sounds cool. Just to have. And then when they started releasing uh, the images of like Robin in the costume, I'm like, well, okay, that looks really good. That's looks like a pretty faithful live action Robin. But then the more that came out about the show, uh, and especially when that first trailer came out, I was like, ooh, mm-hmm. this looks kind of terrible. And mm-hmm. just tone wise, it looked really like too dark, too gritty. Two on the nose, like, we're trying to be rad and awesome. <laughs> and, of course, the F Batman line just sent me into a big tizzy, and I I made the... I made world's the, greatest meme, by the way. I know. I made the world's greatest <laughs> meme, which is the which you can also see on the BOF Instagram page. And I think it got, a, I don't know, 500-something likes on Twitter. Because <laughs> uh, I jumped, I made it, like, immediately when the trailer came out, and it got some traction. It was the uh, F Batman meme with... Um, <laughs> The Lego, Lego Batman. with Lego Robin <laughs> from the the Lego Batman movie, <laughs> yeah. with a big you know wide eyed face. <laughs> so uh, it was pretty good. But um, the interesting thing is, after I actually watched the the first episode, I was I got I was a lot more sold on it mm-hmm. to be honest because the tone is still there, but it looks. I want to I want to say the trailers like undersold the show. They made it look yes. cheap and and what's the word I'm looking for? Trashy kind of, it just yeah. may look like, like grungy. This isn't your parents. Titans. And it, and it kind of is that kind of show, but it's done better than the marketing sold it to you. I think. Yeah. And I think um, we've talked about that before about even movies, uh, studios yeah. will send their trailer off to a trailer company, right? And you know uh, somebody else will cut the trailer and go, "Here you go." So, like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. They they yeah. undersold that, and they could have left the F Batman line out of it, or yeah. put it in the actual like seeing that line and hearing it in the context of how it's delivered. I went, yeah. well, that's that's not so bad. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, the way that they did the, the F Batman line, the, the way it plays out in the actual show, I, I'm like completely okay with because yes. they, they it, instead of the shock value part of it, it's not like he just lands in there and he's like beating people up. He's like, where's Batman? F Batman. I'm Rob. I'm going to kick your body. You know, like he doesn't do that. He says it understated after the battle's over. It's more to of an his, internal yeah. thing to himself. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, okay. Well, that's, it was a choice. But it was a lot. It, there was actual thought behind it, which was you know, which was appreciated. That was like all I needed was like, you know, they had a good reason for it and they executed it well. And that's how you can get away with doing new, weird, different things like that. Um, is when you try and you and you take risks and they pay off when you when you do it well. So, um, but you know, tone wise, I still think the first episode was pretty wacky. Um, yeah overall uh but the more that we're on episode three right now yeah and i think the more the show goes on the more i'm i am liking it i think they're definitely um going at it from a character perspective and they've got unique angles on the the main titans characters i mean we still haven't seen a whole lot of beast boy yet but that's right. going to change next week um and you know in this third episode i was very surprised to see just how much 
Dick Grayson backstory flashbacks. They, oh yeah, they did. What's funny is like if you go to uh, BOF and read Rick Shue's, uh op-ed he did a, a couple months ago about how he would like to see Robin approached in live action, a lot of the stuff that he laid out in that article yes. are in are kind of in episode three of Titans with the, the Dick Grayson backstories. I was like, whoa, like that was impressive just to see this angry kid and he's kind of going rogue and doing his own thing. And they skirted the line very well between like it, it didn't turn into a full blown Batman show, but they only showed enough backstory to kind of tie into what the the main episode was about. But I thought it was really well done. And um, I kind of hope that they keep going with that. So we yeah. see kind of have more connective threads between Dick Grayson's past and present, because it seems to me like, I mean, the the show is laid out in a very mystery kind of way. Mm-hmm. And we learn more about the history of the characters as we go. Like literally like Starfire doesn't even know who she is yet. Um, and she's discovering that uh, at the same time as the as the other Titans and as the view us the viewers are. Um, so that's really interesting. You know, it seems like Dick Grayson started out as a really angry kid, and probably I guess with Batman maybe was the quintessential Robin for a little bit, but then he kind yeah. of got sucked into the darkness and brutality part of 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 fighting with Batman and then that's kind of where you pick him up here after he's left Batman for about five years or something like that. Um, maybe even being kind of like a teen Titans kind of thing with Hawk and Dove and Donna Troy perhaps. Yeah. Uh, but I get, we're just filling in these blanks as, as the show goes on. But yeah, I think there's a lot to chew on in the show. Um, and it's impressed me more and I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot more than I thought that I would. I, I kind of knew from the onset that I was probably I'm I'm one of those I'm like oh I'll like about anything I see but I I was a little apprehensive at the start of it I'm like man with just some of the way the movies have landed whether you like them or love them I thought they might have skirted away from just a different tone altogether but I think the show this first batch of shows and probably maybe even the whole opening series is really going to kind of revolve around the Raven character and she is a dark character so. I really found myself at the end of this third episode really f- feeling like, okay, I think they're really starting to land the groove of what the show is trying to be. And um, I-, I wasn't sitting, you know, just being two episodes in from last week, still going, okay, what am I seeing? What's going on now for the third episode? I was really like, I knew what I was getting. And midway through Starfire's story in this one, I was like, okay, I- I'm in for the ride. I'm, I'm more excited each week as it goes on when the end of the episode, I keep finding myself going, Oh man, it's over already. So that to me, that that's a good sign of a show. And I, I wished it was binge available in the sense that I, I, I don't want to wait, but I'm glad I have that thing that's exciting me to, okay, it's only, you know, six more days till the next episode. So I think that's a good hallmark of what, yeah. what any show wants to, strive is the repeat viewings from week to week like you could binge a bad show and watch 15 episodes 20 episodes and go eh, the show wasn't that good but <laughs> <Your> fist. <laughs> oh, season but, one. but when the show's good i find myself when it's binge worthy of going okay i've watched five episodes i i, I don't want to get all the way through and be done in a week so i i am glad that they're using the model of you know, weekly episodic television to tell all these stories kind of makes the 
yeah. you know, the payout be a little bit longer. And then in the meantime, I find myself watching other things on the app. Yeah. Have you, um, have you kept up with the CW shows? I'm, I'm so far behind right now. <laughs> um, I, I, we need to start binge watching shows or we're just going to go, ah, screw it. We'll treat everything like a prequel and then watch stuff as it's going on. Cause I think the, right. the Batwoman episodes coming up rather quickly. And I mean, that, that the crazy? Superman is like, you're going to have like a crossover with Batwoman, Superman, Supergirl, uh, Green Arrow, the Flash, the nineties Flash. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, we're getting like John Wesley ship in the nineties Flash outfit and like in I, that thing oh what i really want like the pictures that they're showing are Stephen amell in the it, this isn't really yeah, spoilers swap the, yeah the swapping well, roles yeah Stephen amell is gonna be it go <laughs> he's gonna be the flash and then grant gustin's gonna be green arrow like that's super cool i mean it's one of those things that they can do now now that they have so many there's so many seasons in they can think of new things to do and i really want to see at some point grant be the Flash next to uh, Wesley Ship in the. Oh, I know. Uh, but, but surely, even, hopefully, even if that doesn't happen, just to see. I mean, he looks good in that in that suit. It's not the original original suit. They've you know probably had a better suit, but it looks darn close to what his original Flash it suit looks was. really close. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I think it's like it like is that Flash like it yeah. is the Flash from the TV show almost as if probably he's been still. Being that Flash, it, since the yeah. '90s is going on. Yeah, so. it's like it's like Flash season, you know, twenty eight. <laughs> basically, right. yeah, exactly. What about Gotham? Um, you don't watch Gotham? No. <laughs> um, we we're uh, half a, we're half a season back, so okay. we're kind of rapidly uh, catching up here. So probably by we'll probably miss the first episode, maybe two, but we'll be quickly caught up with it and this is I don't think be... it premieres it's the final season and it, i don't think it comes on until next year oh okay well then we'll be we'll be easily caught and up. it's only 10 episodes so you know that was a little something we were talking about so even uh, i do a lot of eye rolling and my wife I, she's probably more of the the typical viewer that maybe that show wants to hit where she's like i don't care about the comics she's like that that's your thing. She's like, you kind of get hung up. Well, it's not that way in the comics. She's like, it's not the comics, Rob. So, so she's able just to kind of watch it and kind of gets into the characters of the show rather than me pulling out my comics going, let me show you why this is wrong, you know. But the, even there are a few moments where she goes, okay, that seems weird. And I just got my arms folded going, I know, right? <laughs> but still, it's it's been a weird wacky enjoyable enjoyable is really a hard word to use but it's been kind of enjoyable where it's like okay let's see how you get out of this one or i don't know why you made that turn but you know there i am the beginning episode of the of the next uh, season kind of just along for the ride but i will be glad i feel like the show has been a a a five-year heart attack where i'm just like (sighs) yeah basically yeah for me it has been i'm like ugh. They ruin this character. Ugh, they ruin that character. Right. Ugh, I guess season five is going to ruin all the characters. <laughs> right. Or then they'll just magically show up and it's like, hey, it's the it's Batman. It's 10 years later. University. Everything's like Batman. I don't know how that <laughs> happened. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. So this is more of like the disaster plane movie that you're watching and going where the flight controller is like, there's no way we can land this plane and only one person can land Do the plane. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. So 
This episode brings us, ironically, to a costumed theme adventure for Robin, and this is Robin 18 with the Nutcracker character in this story that kind of fits... Mouse. Mouse, yes. Fits into Halloween-ish episode. So this was totally unplanned, and... uh you, what you're going to hear here in just a few seconds is Terrence and Ryan and I talking about uh, Robin 18 and uh, our thoughts on this. So we thought we would do this uh, little intro here to uh, bring you into this episode to tell you you're listening to the Batman universe. And more importantly, you're listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake in three, two, one, Drake. All right, the information for Robin 18 goes as follows, and this comes again from Mike'sAmazingWorld.com. The cover date is July 1995. The on-sale date is May 2nd, 1995. The cover price is $1.95, and the editor is Dennis J. O'Neill. The title, The Mouse That Ate Gotham. The writer is Chuck Dixon. The penciler is Mike Parabach. The inker is Stan Woosh. The letter is Albert Tobias D. Gunsman, and the colorist is the lovely Adrian Roy. The cover credits to Robin 18 belong to Mike Rowingo, and the inker is Terry Austin. And now the synopsis again. I, I still like using these, and maybe just because I'm lazy to write my own, but uh, the credit goes to DCWikia.com. Uh, the Mouse That Ate Gotham. Someone is highlighting engineering problems in Gotham in a particularly lethal manner, causing walkways to collapse and other city structures to fail. Following leads from dismissed city employee Shuler Osworthy, Robin tracks down the culprit, who is dressed as a mouse, to City Hall and saves the mayor from death in a faulty elevator. The culprit is revealed to be a woman named Pamela who was hopelessly in love with Mr. Allsworthy, although he had never noticed. Allsworthy was rehired by the mayor himself with car blanche to ensure that the city's engineering problems are fixed. That was the synopsis for Robin 18 and I absolutely love the cover here. And one of my favorite things that I like when they do with covers, like normally, whatever the title of the book would be, obviously, this is Robin, but if it would say Superman or Batman, the title would be unaffected by the artwork that's going on. And that would be in front of the art. But I like when the title of the book or other writing in the book sometimes can get interrupted by the cover where in this case you've got the steel girders coming down kind of blocking parts of the r robin is swinging in front of his own logo which is kind of cool little things like that kind of i don't know breaks the like fourth wall if you will of the book here again this is something that we talk about in the show this type of thing kind of doesn't happen in the book but it kind of does when I first looked at this, I thought this was Barbara Gordon that had fallen out of a window or something, just looking at it on the shelf, you know, way back when, thinking that she had glasses, but it's just the shadows underneath her eye. But a really cool shot of Robin uh, rescuing a damsel in distress here uh, before we get into the issue. So uh, what would you guys think of the front cover for Robin 18? Let's start with Terrence. Okay, so I like half this cover because I like Robin in it, and I like how they emphasize the split in the toes of his boots when that's done. The woman falling uh, was a little jarring, 
because at first it looked like she's wearing like some kind of robe. Like I thought she was like a cult member or something. And I th- I'm like, does this have something to do with like, uh, you know, Cobra or, or something like that? And then later on in the book, you find out it's a college student falling, but it doesn't look at all like anything in the book. Um, so half this is good. If I cover her and just look at Robin uh, and this Robin <laughs> swinging in and saving somebody is used a lot because in our previous podcast or casts, depending how Rob edits it, um, <laughs> where the uh, Kingsnake tri- trio of stories, Huntress falls and Robin saves her in the same way. And then at the end of the story, Robin falls and Batman saves him in the same <laughs> yeah. way. And here we have it again. <laughs> but what, what, um, struck me was the like um, names underneath the little DC bullet and the 18 it says Dixon, Parabic and Wach W-O-C-H so mm-hmm. right away I'm like ooh Parabic I, I knew his artwork from yeah. um, I believe he did some Justice League International stuff and I think he did some um, Batman, Batman Adventures yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say that's yes. where I'm yeah. familiar with Same him here. from Batman Adventures and I've always loved his work and then that Stan yeah. Walk when you open the book it just says they're the artist it doesn't say which one's penciler or inker so I don't know if they share duties or did certain pages but is stan walk is he the guy you bought the artwork from is that am i getting that no, mixed up that or? is uh stas stas johnson and i forget that, what i found but he out. also had another name too that right. he used right but it he, wasn't that stan walk yeah no was not okay okay it wasn't stan walk all right cool ryan i like it i like the cover i mean it, it, it is since this robin number 18 is like a nice just standalone one and done issue the cover kind of alludes to that it's it's not part of anything else it's just like a you could just grab this off the shelf and and read it and have a good time with it and i think that's good i mean it's robin saving somebody and that's it's cool well one thing that as we were talking about uh Parabach doing this on a sad note he he's from lancaster ohio my wife lived there for a while and he was born July 7th, 1965. He died July 2nd, 1996. The uh, The cover date is July 95. The on-sale date was May 2nd, 1995. So it, he was working farther ahead. So it, as far as like real time is going, this was you know a little bit earlier. But that the cover date is listed as 95. So we're coming up on one of his last few works of I say works of art but his his artwork and he died at the age of 30 so um, i thought that was really kind of a sudden and i remember reading about that and going oh well holy crap i think it was in like wizard magazine or something uh back at the time but the artwork were uh, you uh sorry but what were you saying about your wife in lancaster ohio uh, she had uh, lived there for a few years before i had met her and is that where he was from Yes, he's. Uh, did you say up, that and I just missed it, or did? Yeah. Did, okay, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I read it from the wiki. It says uh, Mike Perabat grew up in Lancaster, Ohio. He studied at Central Academy of Commercial Art in Cincinnati. So he spent a lot of his time uh, in and around uh, Ohio. Not to make a joke while we're talking about the passing of him, but I, I feel like Rob. Sometimes you probably feel like you're you're dealing with that guy from Memento when you're dealing with a podcast with me. Like I just said that a sentence ago, Terrence. Oh, okay. Right. Write it down on your arm, Terrence. So before you ask me a question, look back and look on your... Oh, Rob already said that. Okay. (laughs) The biggest compliment that I can say to this, to his artwork, not knowing for sure like which, who had which duties in this book, but 90% of this book, I would got to say, is uh, Michael's work throughout this. Just 
the colors pop right out of the page, but just the, the pencil and the line work is so clean, crisp. The inks aren't getting in the way at all. Uh, this was just a fun, enjoyable book, not only to read, but the art. This The opening page of this with Robin hanging from the clock here is just a, a beautiful shot, which is the mouse that ate Gotham. I think it's just a really cool opening page, just kind of setting up an action scene, and it's one of those that TV shows will do where maybe Robin would break the fourth wall. kind of does here as of like, hmm, let me explain to how I got into this predicament. Which I, which Yeah, it's where it just starts out like, and like you're like, what the heck is going on? And then they like take a step back and get back there by the end of the issue kind of thing. Yeah, that, the, the opening of this in the rain, and I, I'm a sucker for you know Batman and Robin in the rain hanging from a gargoyle or something like that. And then what you might think is a gargoyle turns to be a mouse, somebody in a mouse costume. And I remember thinking about this going, what is going on? Like, who, who is this yeah. mouse villain that Robin is coming into contact with? And even just reading this last night, getting ready for the show, I was started going, is Chuck Dixon pulling out some Z-list Batman villain that I don't know about and as the story goes it turns out to be something a little bit different than that and I think the story it's, it's actually really kind of a beautiful sad little uh, little story here where Robin's really not the main star of his own book and that's not a discredit to uh, Chuck Dixon I think there's just a little bit more here to kind of chew on it's just kind of a, a cute little story here that you have Somebody trying to do the right thing, and I'm going to butcher uh, this guy's name, Mr. Ollie'sworth. Uh, Ollie'sworth. Ollie'sworth. Ollie's, Ollie's, Ollie's oh my Ollie's God, Louise! <laughs> <laughs> you got Ollie's on the brain, yeah. Mr. Ollie's. Please sell me some cheap DC comics. <laughs> it sounds like Terrence <laughs> may have uh, found some <laughs> Toys R Us warehouse. Yeah, exactly. He's trying to come in and do the right thing and passes past Pamela, the secretary here, and does the whole, like, I don't want to see this guy, like the big boss guy, saying, hey, that there are some structural defects in and around Gotham City, and uh, his boss isn't wanting to have any much of this. He's talking about having a, a window and uh, through with his desk. He's, he doesn't even have a window. Who does he think he is? That really doesn't amount to anything, and Pamela's... You know, like he didn't even say goodbye to her as she kind of walked by. So what did you guys think of the opening uh, setup with the plot of the story kind of being unfolded here and uh, Robin fighting uh, this mouse creature at the beginning of the book? Let's start with Ryan here. I really like this opening. This whole issue to me reads like like an episode of Batman the Animated Series where they would introduce a – it's like one of those off episodes where they take an opportunity to kind of – feature a main character that they normally wouldn't like Rob like this it's a Robin episode and they introduce a brand new villain that they would normally wouldn't it's like a villain origin thing the best villain origin uh, or it's the, an interesting angle to take with villain origin stories is is to make it a mystery of like well who is this why are they doing it and you kind of see how the characters react to this new threat and stuff like that so the whole issue reads like that and that's why it's kind of fun and and, and that's kind of the the Mike Parabet connection to me too, is because it, it it evokes it's more realistic than than the animated series work. But him working on uh, the Batman Adventures comic, I, I think translated itself well to kind of like oh, a one and done story like this. So for me, I thought that was really cool. It's a cool opening, and I'm already used to after reading the previous uh, King Snake issues we've, we've talked about. You know, like five episodes ago, <laughs> uh, uh, maybe we um. You just see Robin's uh, internal monologue and stuff, and then once it gets to the to the point of 
oh, this is weird character in a in a mouse outfit. That that's when it lost me, and I was like, what is this? What's going on? But then just as soon as it gets to the part where, okay, this is clearly weird, and we're gonna backtrack and tell you the the story of why it of what what's happening. Then I was back into the story because I'm like, oh, okay, it was it's meant to kind of shock you and be like, well, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it's 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 an interesting opening that does kind of get you. Uh, invested in in what's what's going on with this with this story, Terrence. All right, so opening up a story like this midway through, and then and having action, and then going back is um, such a classic Chuck Dixon way to start a story. That's like Dixon one hundred and one right there, and I love it. The artwork's cool. It's funny on the second page. There's a scene where you could see like Robin's chest and his butt at the same time, and that's like a classic Rob Liefeld thing. But he usually does his does it with women, <laughs> where it's one of his tropes uh, where you could see their right. the proportions, yeah, are the backside and their bosoms at the same time, which is like almost impossible. But um, at first it's jarring. At first you're like, what is this? Some person in a mouse suit and stuff. But when I step back, I'm like, you know. I kind of like this because you you get this idea that Gotham is full of crazies and that all these people running around in costumes that there would be people who would just throw on a costume and yell, I'm the Mouse King or I'm I'm this or that. And it's much more realistic that this person's going to put on a a mouse costume and and run around and do stuff like this than, you know, getting splashed with just the right chemicals and causing a, you know, uh, powers or getting Mm -hmm. struck by some beam that caused, you know, or gamma radiation or whatever. Like, it's, it's... it's much more grounded. It's more plausible yeah. by yeah. W- by association for like other stories, and especially for a Robin story. You know, if this was Flash or Superman fighting this ca- character, it would be like, come on. But for Robin, who doesn't have powers, it's it's perfect. And unfortunately, and I think it was probably spoiled in the synopsis that Rob read. Um, I fell asleep, so I wasn't paying attention when he read that. But um, no, <laughs> he, he records it at a different time. So, I, Rob, you could tell me if it's in the synopsis or not. Um, we know there's a twist to who actually is in the mouse suit and you're supposed to think yes. it's the guy who sells us discounted DC comics, Mr. Ollie, but it's really <laughs> Pamela. But I had got that spoiled for me because of you two and having to do this podcast because I pulled this issue out a few months back when we were looking at the letter columns of Robin 13 and saw the ending, but I think also... Oh no, the letter oh, columns. Yeah, like the letter columns right there. Then. You could see Pamela being handcuffed with the, you know, and everything. So... Oh, you, you, so we probably looked at 18 like to talk about issue whatever 13 yeah, issue 13, 13 yeah 13. part of prodigal yeah i forgot about this completely i forgot about this completely yeah and i think i actually flipped through it before i read it again and saw her also in the back there being arrested but it's kind of it's not the most like amazing you know twist ever in a comic but i do <laughs> i do i did really enjoy the beginning and the opening and i know you both said it so i'm going to say it a third time it does feel like batman the animated series in every good way <clears throat> possible and i know terrence and ryan don't know this but i recorded the synopsis today and i did put some batman animated series music underneath Ooh. this and you guys have already heard it already, but for my co-hosts, I have a Danny Elfman version of the Batman animated series played on just the piano by itself, and it's done in like this old-time movie thing uh, kind of feel to it, and which I think really kind of goes with this issue of kind of like where they would kind of have just some different music and just that 
you're not sure what kind of era the animated series is kind of in. It's modern, but yeah, feels kind of classic at the same time. Something that I didn't. Oh, hey, before go you go on, I got a music point for you. This will be real quick, but uh, <laughs> Rob was nice enough to uh, make a brand new intro for our sister podcast, Batman and Robin Eternal Volume 2, which we've uh, recorded a <laughs> couple episodes. What did I say that wrong, or did I? No, no. It's just no. Oh. I just it's just it's crazy the story of how how long the, uh, the title name is, is. Yeah. the name of the, <laughs> yeah. the title yeah and, and it just got me thinking about how how your the Twitter for that had <laughs> to be kind of yeah like a ba- Bandari so, Eternal yeah. Pod oh, or something yeah, it's, 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 it makes me feel so bad it's 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 crazy but uh, well that's what it is but so. I made like I threw together a quick little intro. I'm not good with editing and that kind of stuff, and it was kind of just like something a placeholder till we could get it better. Rob put together a really great new intro for the podcast, and I said we, we've recorded a couple episodes with uh, Sherlock Ward about yeah Batgirl Steph- Steph- Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Stephanie Brown. I couldn't think yeah. of her first name. Stephanie Brown Batgirl, and we've got mm-hmm. um, a few more coming in in the works. But Rob sent me the new intro. And I hit play, and it played on iTunes, and I was doing some stuff and listening to it. I'm like, that sounds really cool. But I didn't realize the next song up on iTunes was the Music Meister, because I have that uh, soundtrack. <laughs> and so when it started playing Music Meister, it flew, it, it like had fluidity, I should say, I'm actually really using the word, from our <laughs> intro. So I thought the Music Meister was just part of the intro, and I was like, oh, that's kind of different, but that's kind of cool. And then I, it's going, and I'm like, wow, Rob has really put a lot of this Music Meister, so, this is a long intro with the, and then I realized, oh, it's played the next couple songs. But for a while there, I thought, I didn't realize Rob liked the Music Meister so much, but uh, anyway. This is Batman. And Robin, the boy wonder. Welcoming you to, to Volume 2 of the Batman and Robin Eternal Podcast. You think you did. You don't know him like I do. He manipulates, pulls strings, anything to get what he wants. I thought we had the same goals. Things change. I changed. The game's over, Batman. I quit. What's the matter? Lost the words. Expected more. I'm hurt. Joker sent me the film. I saw him kill you. Don't you dare lie to me! How long did you wait before replacing me, huh? A month? A week? I trusted you! Yeah! We did it! We aced him! I set him up, you take him out. One, two, huh, Batman? Ugh. You'll be fine. Of course I will. You trained me. What's your name? Carrie. Carrie Kelly. Robin. Is this what you wore in training? It's what I wore when I went on patrol. The only thing it's missing is lace trim and a sun hat. Chicks dig the car. This is why Superman works alone. Then it sounds to me like it's time to rumble. Indeed, but it is you who will take the tumble. I'm sorry, hon, but did you just sing that? Of course I did not. Wait, yes I did. I'm sounding shrill against my will and cannot stop the singing. And in my ears I swear I hear a quite distinctive ringing. This silly game is very lame and someone's going to pay. An unknown force, but where's the source that has us in its way? Who is doing this to us? And on this we must concur. The destiny, despicable, disturbing me. 
So you'll be playing Play the music, Mike. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We played that. We played that to death in the car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to show Nora some of those uh, episodes when she's old enough. Oh, those it's so, so fun. much fun! It's so much yeah. fun, especially uh, my daughter loved Bawana Beast. Some for some reason that's <laughs> you've told me she that she clinged to, and then when he died in that episode, I had a lie to her. Oh, I'm like, no. he's coming back. No, he's there's another. <laughs> no, no, he, he it's, he's not really dead. And every episode is this the episode that Bawana Beast comes back? It's like a you know. So, yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's that's awesome. For what so, of a nail the horse was lost. For one of his place, Rob was lost in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking of nails, that kind of fits in. I didn't realize it, dur- obviously, during the the first read, but going back through this is where the mouse doesn't really have a name here. It says the entire city is falling apart as Robin is literally pulling planks out of probably the top of a facility hall or you know, whatever building they're scaling up here. And I thought, oh, that's kind of ironic that you know that board fell off. That's kind of cool timing. But then you find out that's part of the story story, and there's other things that are going on here so Mayor Kroll gets a note here says for weight the nail the horse was lost and he's holding a screw and and I could hear the the music in the Batman the animated series where somebody falls or about trips you have that little you know kind of sound where he sits back into his chair and falls right over for a gag here calls in the uh, maintenance guys and they're like hey yeah, we're looking for a bolt. It's about this long, and they're kind of like, so it's that bolt that the mayor had, where all this is kind of getting put together that, you know, this is just the chair, but there's other structural things that are happening in Gotham City. And looking at page eight here as Robin's kind of, and Paraback's art is so awesome on this page, on on eight, with kind of like this elongated shot of looks like Robin, looks like he's probably about to land, uh, and he catches the bridge or the uh, catwalk going uh uh breaking at the last moment he kind of swings in saves the girl so this is supposed to be that girl from the front cover that he ends up saving yeah which is interesting she's in more of a businessy suit than like a college person's outfit yeah i don't know maybe i'm wrong about that but what i love about this sequence is 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 the the gag with jimmy how they just like use the word as much as possible even in the internal monologue where she's like jimmy jimmy help me jimmy, jimmy. And like jimmy's like running away and then and then robin's thinking to himself like and jimmy's not gonna be any <laughs> right and then and then at the end when he saves her she's just like is jimmy all right uh jimmy <laughs> yeah. she just says it as many times as possible it's so good <laughs> robin's gotta be thinking uh your boyfriend just ran across the bridge and left you uh, i love this sh- he's like yeah he's like is jimmy all right yeah he made sure of that <laughs> it's like so good I, I love in nine where uh, the bat signal comes up and Robin's going to have to go off to uh, the police station. And this is a cool sequence. And I'll get your guys' thoughts on this is Robin going into the GCPD coming through the window and Sarah Essen saying you're alone. That signal doesn't bring both of you and says Batman's kind of involved in something. Uh, there's a question there for you. guys. What is he referring to? That's I have yeah. no clue. It I says hoping Terrence would. Yeah. Know. So, 
Robin points out that says, "Look, I'm not second best. Co- I'm not second best, Commissioner Essen. I wouldn't be here if I couldn't handle it." So, at that moment, Sarah Essen's kind of like, "Okay, you're absolutely right." The Commissioner Gordon spoke highly of both of you, so that's what we're going to do. So then we go through all of the pieces of things that have fallen off buildings, and Robin's kind of going through all these and gets a uh, a bag that has a U-shaped metal piece and then a pin going through it. So what do you guys think of the saving the damsel in distress here and then uh, Robin and uh, Sarah Essen working together? Let's go to Terrence. <laughs> Unmute yourself from computer and from your thing. Sorry, I didn't know how this song went. Terrence, <laughs> hello. As I, the thing I always put lyrics, whenever I need to uh, have a song where I just put lyrics behind it, it's um always put words behind uh, the, uh, something funny on the way to the floor. Oh, yeah. Something familiar, something peculiar, something for everyone <laughs> coming in tonight. And I just put like whatever words behind it. <laughs> I'm sorry, your answer must be in the form of a question. But thank you for playing. Yeah, I thought the uh, whole Jimmy gag was really funny, too. At first, when I saw it, I was like, oh, he's running. It looks like he's running away. And then I realized, oh, he's supposed to run away. And then the whole, um, you know, uh, (laughs) he made sure of it line. I was like, oh, I see what they did there. That was that was pretty good. Um, I don't know what Robin is referring to here with the fact that he's um, busy for something other than he is in three other comics, Detective and... um, you should have just said that. Well, he is. A yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> Did Commissioner. So there it. are other stories going on, and he doesn't reference anything specific. So I, could, I'm assuming it's just just something going on in those other three comics. Uh, since it's Chuck Dixon writing, it may, it's probably what he's doing in Detective. And yeah. I love here too that Robin has that like we like that arrogance of and that self confidence. Kind of what Jeff Johns really tapped into with how he wrote. Uh, Tim Drake, and we saw that in James Tinian's run in Detective, where he's like, look, he says here, look, I'm not second best Commissioner Essen. I wouldn't be here if I couldn't handle it, you know, and and I I like that, just that self-confidence he has. Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I kind of talked about it already. I mean, I like like this scene with him and and Essen just because it's, it's, you have Batman and Gordon, and that's always like a classic pairing, but, but having Essen be in the spot of Gordon almost gives Robin his own like foil here. Yeah. Where it's, it is the commissioner, but it, but it's, but it's a different person. So it, it gives Robin more of his own opportunity to, to, to kind of prove himself with, with, with the commissioner who's also trying to prove herself. And I think that's a kind of a cool pairing. Yeah. And it's not Robin coming in to commissioner Gordon. That's worked with Dick Grayson has worked with Jason Todd and that he's trying to figure out that there's this long history between Batman and commissioner James Gordon. So now both of these two are on equal footing here. She's new to the job and she just needs to learn to trust. Well, James had a lot of faith in these two individuals. So I'm going to too. So I think Tim can kind of throw his weight around a little bit more than uh, maybe he would have uh, if it was Gordon. I, I, I might. I might have uh, solved our little mystery here. So it, this cover date on the Robin 18 is July 95. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the Detective Comics that month is 687, which is one issue right after the uh, the Kingsnake story. Correct. Like 685 and 6. Yeah, so uh, in Detective Comics 687, it says it's um, 
It's called uh, Red Tide is the is the name of the story, and it says a gang of pirates led by Captain Fear begins terrorizing Gotham's waters. Batman is captured by the pirates while Robin barely escapes. Hmm. So. I guess, in theory, Batman has been captured by pirates, Robin barely escapes, and uh, and he's just like, yeah, Batman's involved with something, a.k.a. captured by pirates. Maybe that's what he's referring to. Yeah, those those two issues, 687 and 688, have amazing Graham Nolan covers on it. One has got Batman like tied yeah. to a... a oh, a, a like buoy? A, Bowie, and the yeah. other one has got Batman like gasping for air out of the water. Um, and those are heavy, heavy Tim Drake issues. So we may want to either do those on the YouTube page. Shotgun or, Smith's in it, yeah. too. Mm. In, in, yeah. But that, those, that story's kind of self-contained. If you look at um, 687, I have them right in front of me here. Um, the whole story like takes place in one night, and it's over in 688. So it's, it's I mean, it's possible that in between the panels robin went after a giant mouse in gotham city but uh it could be i i don't know it's it's but who knows with comic book time you know but uh those two issues are really really good the art talk about the glossy paper making the art look better the glossy paper with graham nolan's art in in those issues Mm. are fabulous well looking at the uh page 11 through 12 here where this is our first uh introduction of the mouse proper in if you're going linear time here as opposed to seeing the mouse on top of the building and it's kind of a game of literal cat and mouse here mouse breaks open the fuse box and has the lights off and literally escapes through a tom and jerry sized hole and i like how the cops is like uh this ain't a job for cops less which i thought was kind of funny that you know the mouse actually escapes through a hole here and this one panel on 13 if this does not scream uh, Dick Grayson, the Batman, the animated series on on this page. I don't mm-hmm. know what does where he's on the computer mm-hmm. with his tongue out, typing in. This looks like it. This belongs in the Batman animated series. I don't mean that as bad or anything like that, but you can really tell uh, that this is a Batman animated series artist on this. And even we would see something like this usually done with Batman having the flashlight in his mouth, going through the files. Exactly. Which, I mean, I've seen that in numerous episodes, so that's kind of really kind of cool to see it here. Uh, Robin is able to find out who's in charge of all the structural things in Gotham City and uh, goes to uh, uh, Mr. Ollie'sworth. I'm just going to keep saying it wrong now on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And showing him the bolt and him explaining, you know, what's going on, that he even says he had gotten mm-hmm. fired for it and everything else like that. I, I like the moment. He says, uh, good God, do you have a car? Like, we need to get going. So we get the Redbird coming in here. So that's really kind of cool, uh, seeing Robin in the Redbird with a civilian on the way to go yeah. uh, solve a case, which is you don't see that often. Yeah, in, I think you would probably see it more with Robin than you would Batman, but typically that doesn't happen. It's usually spoiler or... You know, Wally, somebody, right. some other hero is in the uh, car uh, with the hero. So I think this section's really cool where they're on their way to Mayor Kroll's party and figuring out that it's an elevator. This is a bracket that is holding uh, the structural integrity of the elevator as it stops. It's supposed to have four, but if we're holding this one, that means the elevator only has three. So they're on a mad dash to this ball and hopefully Robin can make it there in time. So what'd you think about uh, this sequence with Mr. Ollie, which I know that's the wrong name, but I'm going to keep saying it. (laughs) 
I thought I, I like this sequence. It, this whole I think I mentioned this earlier. I mean, this whole thing feels like a like a like a one shot villain origin from the animated series. And it, what it really made me think of is um, the Clock King. Uh, yes, because totally. that is that's a guy that had a job he did he did he was good at it but then he gets fired from it or or whatever uh, and then he seeks revenge on mayor, the mayor right. um, so and and it's kind of like a you know and he works in the city in, in a civil capacity or whatever so it evoked a lot of that kind of story structure for me and page uh, page fourteen when Robin is uh, talking to to Allsworthy and and again the coloring is cool because it's again that whole it's all yellow light it's lit by the mm-hmm. fireplace and stuff like that I, I kind of like I kind of love it when when the coloring is able to kind of do some dynamic stuff like that but this is the page where I thought oh m- well maybe the mouse isn't Allsworthy because the whole way it's like oh of course right. it is but it, but when he's just like casually being like oh what's happening and stuff I was like well he could be like trying to you know pl- play dumb or whatever but I'm like no I think he's being genuine and I was like well who else could the mouse be and then I and I go back in the issue I'm like oh okay it's gotta be it's gotta be the um the receptionist yeah. it's gotta be it's gotta be uh Pamela it's gotta be her just reading so then I went back and read the first couple pages I'm like okay it's gotta be her and of course I was <laughs> proven right by the time the 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 comic ends and that's what they do like the, the more views you see of the mouse the more look the more you get to see like the eyes yeah. and like, oh that's kind of female eyes and oh, okay it's green eyes oh, okay it's and then you kind of can figure it out yourself if, if you catch it so i thought that was interesting i i, I like uh, seeing robin in the red bird and uh and then again seeing robin just kind of be this kind of he infiltrates this party and kind of just saves everybody but but doesn't really take any credit for it. I just kind of love that he shows up in the elevator and he's like, <laughs> "Does that?" He, and, he, and he says, "For the for the for want of a war, the king was lost." Ring a bell, your honor, and he's like, "Yeah, I know what you're. I know you suck." And he just like <laughs> saves everybody, but doesn't like take any credit for it, and kind of is doing this in the background. So uh, I thought that was really kind of fun. Uh, there was something I had here. I hey, I, let's go to Terrence real quick. So you know what. I thought was interesting was um, uh, Ollie here is sleeping, daydreaming about all the uh, merch he's gotten from Toys R Us and, and uh, DC <laughs> Comics, and he he's awoken by Robin just standing there, and his reaction is he doesn't like scream or yell. He goes, "A masked boy." Hmm. And I'm like, uh, where, "Where's this going? Is there going to be another uh, finger? Th- is he going to finger throat him, if you will, <laughs> or whatever?" <laughs> but then he's just. Huh? So we always get silly at the end of like a long recording here, but uh, yeah, yeah I, I liked Robin driving around in the Redbird. It kind of reminded me of uh, Sleigh Bells when he was driving around with uh, Joker for some reason. Yeah. totally different. But I like how jo- Joker. Robin doesn't yeah. quite believe that he's not the Mouse King. Like he threatens him a couple times. Yeah, and, and, and <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, part. I like how he's got that suspicion. And then the elevator scene reminded me of Die Hard a bit. You know, remember when he's in the elevator shaft and. Yeah. Some really mm-hmm. great artwork and really good, great use of negative space. How there's like the black around the shaft, and he's in the shaft with the the lighting and stuff. And it's just, um, yeah, it's really really well done. Yeah, that was the other thing I was thinking of. You mentioned all all the negative space and everything is on the side to kind of give you uh, the elongated panel to show you the shaft goes all the way down. <laughs> That's what she said. See, now now we're getting funny. Uh, 
So now we are back at the very beginning of the book, and we're with the Mouse King that uh, Terrence is so happily named, and is uh, he is he or she? Well, we know it's a she. Is saying nobody cares, nobody's. Hey, listening. Rob. The reason yes. why I keep calling it the Mouse King, sorry to interrupt you there, is because at the end they say that um, she got the suit from a production of the from Nutcracker the, that she was in, yeah. and that the yeah. character is the Mouse King in the Nutcracker, so that's why I I, I, had I, that. I, and just, I completely <laughs> forgot that. Yeah, and, yeah, and just to uh, inter- interrupt Terrence, interrupting Rob, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, when I saw that at the beginning of this issue, the, my mind immediately went to the Mouse King from the Nutcracker, and I was like, I wonder if that's intentional, and then if, and it was. I was glad to see that that's exactly what it was at the end of the issue, um, you know. And I'll never forget the Mouse King because we 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 did um, the the big thing in my elementary school was like the fifth grade class is like the graduating class in the elementary school, and their big thing is to do the Nutcracker. Mm-hmm. So they always do the Nutcracker, and and when I did it in fifth grade, I was the Mouse King. Mm-hmm. So so that part is always <laughs> <laughs> near and dear to my heart. Yeah, I didn't even piece that together until we get to the end. And if only we could have gotten Ryan this comic book when he was a young lad. Right before that, he he would have known like, oh, the Mouse King. I need to go around and like pull out like nuts and bolts all around my school and (laughs) unscrew the principal's chair and like loosen up the monkey bars and thing. But oh, oh well. Well, who comes to Robin's rescue? Not Batman. Not Nightwing. Not the Huntress. But Mr. Ollie saying, hey, I have toys from <laughs> Toys R Us yes. and comic books. Come here. So Allsworth comes in and says where she's saying nobody cares. He says, I care, Pamela. And then she turns around. And there he is on top of the roof. He's made it up. And uh, she takes her foot off Robin's hand. And he helps her down to safety. And Robin ends up pulling himself up. And the end of the book, it, like Terrence said, it was spoiled for him when we did the letters column of her being let off in chains and Mayor Kroll is so happy that his city isn't tore apart and he's not going to have chairs falling over anymore that he gets hired <laughs> as a uh, special, what does it say, uh, with full powers to begin... Directorship, directorship of the engineering department, yes. yeah. So he w- could tell all these things were going on and he needs somebody on his staff and team that is going to be looking out for the city of Gotham. And we see Robin swinging away here, which, again, we've been saying it this whole... Uh, episode so far, it looks like just a panel right out of the animated series comic book or a cell from the animated series with Robin swinging away with the Mouse King's mask on top of the building. It says, it's a happy ending after all for most of us, the end. And I like some of these one and done books where you get the the end. And I kind of miss the days of just being able to pick up, read one comic and it just mm-hmm. be a nice contained book this doesn't feel rushed where it's like dixon's really scratching his head trying to figure out how he's gonna you know make a story work in 22 pages he does it really well and a book that i might not have gone oh my gosh this is an amazing issue to read i really had a good time reading this and i was really looking forward to discussing it with you guys and uh i just kind of wish uh Paraback had uh, lived longer to do more of these type of uh, issues. His art was just beautiful to look at the whole way through. So it's going to make me really appreciate the probably very few books since this was actually released in May that there's only going to be a handful of books left with uh, his artwork. But he was uh, still churning out uh, quite a bit of work up until uh, he passed away. So final thoughts on Robin 18. Uh, Let's start with Ryan. 
Yeah, like I said at the beginning of the issue, it's 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 a fun one and done book. It's well written. The art is is really nice, and um, I just couldn't really ask for more. I mean, it's kind of a you just read it, you have a good time with it, you feel good. It's kind of your classic like Chuck Dixon kind of book. Like if you have a this, it's a book you could probably hand anybody and be like this. this you know, this is the Robin series. It's fun. It's Tim Drake. It's it's got a lot. It's got a lot going on, and you don't have to invest too much to to uh, get a good time out of it. Uh, Terrence. All right, so I'm left with this burning question on this book. Pamela is pretty cute. I mean, she's got the red hair. She's like, she's attractive. <laughs> Ollie's worth is not. He's balding. He's middle aged. He's he's <laughs> he he didn't have a good job. Now I guess he's got slightly better job. But she is head over heels for this guy for whatever reason. If you're yeah. Ollie's. Do you go visit her at Arkham for maybe possibly a conjugal visit? I mean, or or do you not care? Well, he says he never noticed, and yeah. maybe that's because he has you know he the whole scene from earlier where we kind of wonder uh, he notices boys with masks. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, his house, but exactly, maybe that's it. Not his type. Like, hey, do you have a brother? You know, like yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> if you do, can he wear a mask? I know this. <laughs> Does he have an impulse costume? All right. Uh, uh, You know, I'm never going to shop at Ollie's the same way. Now I'm going to look and see that logo and just think of like, hmm, a masked boy in my house. (laughs) You know. Uh, So anyways, uh, yeah, I agree with what you guys said about all that stuff about it being a fun one shot. um, Classic Chuck Dixon, classic Robin. uh, And I would love to see this character. I don't think we see her again, but I would love to see her again somehow. Mm -hmm. But do we see her again? Does she pop up? Uh, in the letter columns we might have some information and one other thing if you go past the letter columns if you look on the last page there's a advertisement for uh, Judge Dredd uh, video game I guess it's for all system Game Boy I guess oh no Genesis and there's a picture of uh, Sylvester Stallone dressed as Judge Dredd and he's got a very um enhanced uh, like silver cod piece in it and today when I um was had this book i actually accidentally put it down in some water uh and when i picked it up there was water on the back of it and it was right around his cod piece and it looked like judge dread had wet his pants so <laughs> yeah it, it was kind of weird i was like judge come on i thought you're supposed to be you know fearless here but anyway fun story oh, couldn't help it. <laughs> yeah i didn't beat my pants i am a law yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right so this is one of my favorite parts of the show. Ryan, I know we've got some letters, and I know you've got a few, so uh, let's uh, go to the letter section of the Robin comic. Okay. So we have uh, the first letter from F.P. Armani from Brunswick, Georgia, and it says, Yo, Tim, no wonder Gotham City is falling apart in Robin number 18. Check page 7. Mr. Maintenance is calling that a bolt. Wrong. It's a simple wood screw, by all appearances, a number 10 by one and a half, one and a half zinc-plated roundhead wood screw. Hey, the guys at Wayne Tech wouldn't make that mistake. Hey, well-written, nice, calm, concise story with clear artwork. I like the strong first page followed by the recap pages, bringing us up to date. You guys never run out of good ideas, do ya? Again, that's from FPR Body from Brunswick, Georgia, and the comment is, thanks for pointing out the screw-up. <laughs> no, wrong. It's not that kind of screw. <laughs> course so we were at so terrence was mentioning you know do we see see the mouse mm. again and and the que- the answer is yes wow. which is ridiculous <laughs> okay so here is um 
a letter from D- Dowd O'Mare from Covington, Kentucky. And yes, he wrote a letter that we that I read uh, from Robin for uh, what seventeen the previous issue. So he was in two letters columns in a row. Oh, wow. And it says, and he calls it Robin Files again, like he addresses a letter. It says, Robin Files, Robin number 18 was a great one shot. Until the end, I thought the mouse was Mr. Allsworthy. Pamela has the potential to be a good villain. Since Allsworthy does not love her, you should bring her back to wreak more havoc on the city and Robin. The DC Universe needs more female villains. Pamela may be a little weak, but at least it's a start. Bring back the spoiler, which, which is the said same thing he said in his last letter, <laughs> which is kind of interesting to have the, the fluidity between letters. And the response is, if you ever lived in a major metropolis, you know that rodents have a great survival rate, and Pamela is one of them. Watch for Catwoman number 28 to 30 to see for yourself. Catwoman, wow. That would make sense. Catwoman. Yeah. Which also is a Chuck Dixon uh, oh, joint. So yeah. he, you know, there's Chuck Dixon just bringing in like even the random one shot mouse villain character he'll introduce in a pa- in Robin he'll bring back in Catwoman, hmm. and that ma- makes sense. The mouse returns where else in Catwoman number twenty eight. So, uh, so that makes me want to track down Catwoman. I want I might have one or two of those, but it's Catwoman twenty eight through thirty. <laughs> the mouse comes back. That's kind of crazy. So- so the mouse is back through. You said twenty eight through thirty. So, wow. Yeah. Huh. I'm I'm making a note of that. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. All right, what do you got for us? You got another. Uh... The other one is this this big long one at the end, but uh, Gorf mentions that it, it's a uh, it's a letter that made his year, so it seems like a good one. Hey, uh, before um, you read the really long letter, I just wanted yeah. to mention. You have one? No, I just wanted to mention that you're reading these letters out of Robin 23. So that's almost two full years of the series, plus the three miniseries and annuals, and they still have the letter column as Robin without a, <laughs> a, a, a title for the letter column. So it's kind of kind of crazy. Um, in issue 99, which is, uh, they have it as Round Robin. So it took them, oh, yeah. I don't know how long it took them to add that round to it, but there's still just Robin letter column. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I think I think in some episode I figured out which which uh, issue it was. It's It was like two years or more before they actually found a letter column. And I was like, mentioned that like, that's crazy because in today's climate, you know, a series might not even last that many issues before, <laughs> right. bef- beforehand. And in here, they're just like taking their sweet time. But yeah, so <clears throat> if you guys are ready for the long one, I, I kind of, uh, it's a long one, but it looks like it's in- interesting. So I thought maybe Go I would read it. it. But this is from Anita Sanchez, no address supplied. And it says, Dear friends, I am writing to you because I have been traveling through a time warp lately and I wanted to share some of the trip with you. Now you have to understand, I bought my first comic book in third grade at the age of eight. Went down to the local drugstore, read all the comic books in the rack. This ain't no library kid, you gonna buy anything? (laughs) Is what they would say. And finally bought the one comic book that I could afford. All I had was 12 cents. That's what they cost back in 1963. 12 cents deposit return on a six pack of root beer would get you two candy bars and two pieces of gum or a comic book. Mostly I went for the comic. I bought Superboy, Aquaman, Legion of Superheroes, whatever. But mostly I went for Batman and my hero slash first love, Robin. I avidly read Batman comics through the 60s. I hated the soulless TV show. Wow. Soulless? But eagerly... (laughs) Yeah, I don't know about that. But eagerly followed the comic book adventures of the dynamic duo. But around 1970, Robin went to college and so did I. Uh, That makes sense because that's where Batman is in the penthouse. And that's that, that whole era. 
I gave up all those childish things like Batman and Robin comic books, and 25 years went by. College, job, marriage, and a finally a kid, a little boy who loves adventure and excitement. One night, as long as he was wearing long underwear with underpants on the outside to hold them up, I said, Boy, you look like Batman. That did it. Who's Batman, he said. Three hours later, I'm still answering questions. The next morning, we ransacked the attic and found about 200 old comics. Now I'm happy to say they're worth a fortune. We read them all day and all week, and we're still reading them. Together, we're swinging on bat ropes and fighting the penguin and having a great time. But after a while, the supply begins to run low, and my son asked, Can you buy these things? Uh, we check in the yellow pages under C, and sure enough, there's a million comic book stores, so we go to one. We pick out a golden oldie. Clayface versus Batman, circa 1959 or so, no longer 12 cents. Would you believe nine bucks? I'm sure it's more, <laughs> worth way more than yeah. nine bucks a day. <laughs> uh, then I say to myself, I wonder what Bruce and Dick and all the gang are doing these days. Let's see what comic books are like 25 years later. Picture this. Comic book store, six-year-old, eagerly scanning the Batman figurines. I've promised I'll buy him one of them if he leaves me alone for ten minutes. And an almost 40-year-old mother and career woman surreptitiously opening the first new DC comic book in 25 years. It happened to be Robin number zero. How nice. The Robin suits changed a bit, but at least he's still around. Then I start reading the dialogue. Tim, who's this Tim? Who's the tall guy in the blue and yellow suit? Nightwing, who's this Jason they keep talking about? Wait, Nightwing is Dick? Who? But who's Robin now? What? So I buy it, and I buy the one before it and the one after, and then after about 70 trips to comic book stores, and I don't want to tell you how much money, I finally figured out The Dark Knight, The, the New Teen Titans, all the back issues, Jason Todd, Year One and Year Two, Tim Drake, Nightfall, Nightquest, Nights in Prodigal. Wow, it's better than ever. If you're interested, here's how things hit me after a vacation of a quarter of a century. Number one, things are a lot more violent. So re so is real life. I realize you're not running for my six-year-old anymore. He won't be seeing any post-1970s stuff for a long time. Maybe when he can drive. But many children do read these books. If you must use violence, make it an integral part of the story. Don't make those who use excessive violence sympathetic. Make us hate it. Make us realize where uncontrolled violence can lead. And as you did so superbly in Night Quest, where we slowly grew to despise Jean-Paul Valley's excessive force. That's a that's a great point, yeah. and like we've discussed many times, that was one of the chief uh, things in Nightfall to yes. explore narratively. Uh, okay, bullet point number two. These are books. Use lots of words. Here's a quote from a 1969 Superboy, which my son loved. Quote, My ingestion of ultrasolar irradiated high-potency food contributed to my growth from a red star baby to my present yellow solar-powered state. <laughs> in contrast, a whole page from a 1994 Batman read, Nuck, chat, shump, scratch, ripped, scratch. The writing in your books is better and stronger than it ever was, but don't be afraid to give us big words and lots of words to read. Uh, bullet point number three, the art is amazing. Number four, Tim is great. Dick is still great. Please give us more Nightwing. I thank all of you for what you have done with these characters in this never-ending story. Thank you for treating them kindly and with humanity. Please keep the strong focus on their personal lives, loves, fears, feelings, and relationships. Never let the weapons and the fists become the whole story. Thanks for all the fun I've had in a childhood filled with imagination and adventure. In that fun and fantasy, I hope to pass on to my child. And in the past six months, escaping from the routine of everyday adult life and catching up on Gotham City. I won't take another vacation. Anita Sanchez. That's, That's a really cool, cool letter. letter. What'd she say? A quarter of a century had passed? Yeah. yeah, like she bought comics in 1963, stomped around 1970, and then picked it up, you know, in 25 years wow. later. 
and that and that was her like little time warp journey and and uh seeing the changes in comics so uh there gorf's response is really good it says uh anita i got goosebumps reading your letter thank you so much thank you so so much for writing us your letter made my year I wish I had this whole column to respond to you, mostly with anecdotes of my own, of fond memories that your words rekindled, but this column is for you, not me. So just a few business-related comments. Robin number zero and all the number zero issues of DC Universe titles, for that matter, were geared for people just like you who were seeking a clean entry into the mythos of modern DCU continuity. I'm thrilled that we hit the mark for you. Think, Yeah, think about that. I'm sure as a business person, they're like, ooh, she, she bought Robin number zero, and then she bought, like, everything else. <laughs> The Batman and Robin Adventures is the title we publish today that is well-suited for both the older and younger set like your son. Two trade paperbacks collect the first several issues of this title's award-winning predecessor, The Batman Adventures, and I highly recommend them to you. The art and stories based on the hugely successful Fox TV show Batman the Animated Series are less complex but no less compelling than that of our regular titles, so you and your son should enjoy reading them together. Uh, and Nightwing, you say the Nightwing miniseries is on the stands now, and a monthly is in the works. That's the uh, Denny right. O'Neill miniseries uh, that goes into Dixon's Nightwing yep. room. Don't wait for another twenty-five years before writing us again, Anita Gorf. Well, there you go. That's a really great letter to end the uh, the show on. Yeah, because it, it, you see her like, well, what's all this new stuff, and who's this Tim Drake character? And then she ends up like, you know, really getting invested. Which I mean, think that's a really good thing that. It happens to a lot of us, the comic book fans, regardless of what your entry point is. Entry point is, you end up going like, "Well, I don't understand what's going on," and how they always say everybody's or a comic book could be everybody's first comic book. So they're always trying to write it in a way. But what a cool way that she comes in on the zero issue that that just happens to be what's currently out there that is the open door for an entry point so i think we've all done it have picked up a book and go i don't know what's going on so you start going forwards and backwards trying to figure out who the cast of characters are what a cool time that she discovers tim drake at that time and has no idea who jason todd is who tim is and that she knew who dick grayson was but in 25 years the dick grayson she knew is somebody else i think that's really pretty cool how how that stuff kind of happens and that it had an effect on her that she was sharing that with her son, which I would imagine that's something you're going to do with uh, your daughter, Ryan. Oh yeah. I can't wait to, to get her invested in any and every comic book thing that she seems interested in. So that's going to be cool. So I think this is where we're going to end this episode here. Kind of a nice little fun little story here. And uh, depending on how I, I always say a little peek behind the curtain here, this was one gigantic uh, recording session. If I talk long enough, we will have recorded three hours. So this is going to be kind of fun to put together. Hopefully you have enjoyed it. If it was two episodes or three episodes, but this is a really fun time. And I think we're going to find more books like this going through uh, this particular run of the Robin series that either one of us or maybe all three of us have never read before just because of wherever our entry point or sometimes our exit points were before we came back in. So on the behalf of my co-hosts, Terrence and Ryan, this is Rob. Thanks for listening to the BatmanUniverse.net. And more importantly, thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake. Until next time, we'll see you. Bye. Playgoers, I bid you welcome. The theater is a temple, and we are here to worship the gods of comedy and tragedy. Tonight, I am pleased to announce... A comedy! A comedy!
We shall employ every device we know in our desire to divert you. Something familiar, something peculiar, something for everyone, a comedy tonight. Something appealing, something appalling, something for everyone, a comedy tonight. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. This show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguin's lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at Robin ELTD Podcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media. Also, over at our host, TBU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net. You're home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. Nothing with gods, nothing with fate. Weighty affairs will just have to wait. Nothing that's formal, nothing that's normal. No recitation to his side. Open up the curtain. 